Well, we are in the thick of the Spring Carnival, both here in Sydney and also in Melbourne. Welcome to another edition of So We Think. And we had to cram in a little special edition before the race that stops the nation on Tuesday. Ben, great to have you here on a Sunday morning. And mm. uh, firstly, we'll reflect on a great day's racing at Flemington, but also Rose Hill Gardens yesterday. What was your highlight? My highlight was down south. Absolutely loved how well the girls performed down there. Jamie Carr has been up against it. And I think it's fair to say she hasn't been riding particularly well. There are reasons for that. She was off a long break and it takes a while to find your feet. Maybe she's not getting the rides that she she once was. But either way, to see her bounce back like all champions do, I loved. And I love the success of Rachel King and Bjorn Baker for that matter. I love the little... I was about to call them a duet, but it's really a trio when you include Rachel's other half. (laughs) I love them, and I just love seeing them do well, and congratulations with Osmosis. You? Yeah, she becomes the first female jockey to ever win the Coolmore Stud Stakes, which is a stallion-making race. For me, being on course at Rose Hill Gardens yesterday, it had to be the victory of Oban Buramai in the Golden Eagle. I backed him, which I was happy with, but mostly happy for Josh Parr, who is one of our favourite hoops. He's one of the most humble and, I guess, down-to-earth jockeys that Mm -hmm. I know and a very positive guy at that. Um, He's had some challenges over the course of his career, particularly relating to his weight because he's a taller kind of guy. Um, But also he had a big fall not too long ago. So to come back and win a $10 million race on a horse that he only had his first sit on on Wednesday, Mm -hmm. extraordinary ride. And a great result. Fantastic ride. There were so many good rides on the day too. Dylan Gibbons had an absolute cracker as well. But first and foremost, fantastic interview post-race. Absolutely loved it oh, on seven. And I loved his first answer. He's just won a $10 million race. And all he's saying is it's unfortunate circumstances with one jockey unable to fulfill that booking due to injury. So that just shows you how good a bloke he is. And then the emotions started to set in, which you drew out of him perfectly. <laughs> you got to do that. No, I absolutely loved it and geez the Japanese we used to think it was just the stayers but even their milers are pretty handy absolutely and we will touch on the Japanese runner in the Melbourne Cup in just a short period of time but before we get into this year's cup field let's go through our top five Melbourne Cups of our living age Um, you and I are not historians so we're not going to go back to Cups of Old which we weren't around for but these are our top five individually of the ones that we've seen I will preface that my top five doesn't include media puzzle Mm. it should but we did do a lot on Ollie and the famous 2002 Melbourne Cup on the last edition but know that that is very highly in my ranked in my top five of all time there are pretty much two Two standouts, I think, on that front. Maccabi winning her third and Damien Oliver winning his. I think in most people's Melbourne Cup top fives, they would feature. Yeah. Oh, I've thrown in a couple of random ones. Vintage Crop was one. That was my first bet in a Melbourne Cup. It was 1993. Please don't do the maths. I was born in 1982 and it doesn't (laughs) equal 18. But either way, Dad was able to put one on for me, which was fantastic. And uh, that one's always going to stick in my mind because it's probably where the love of racing started. I think Prince of Penzance for the story was one plus the price. And viewed viewed Bauer, uh, that was probably the best finish I've seen. I reckon technically was was the Dunedin photo closer. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was marginally. Both of them should have been called a dead heat, but Feud and Bow was a, a brilliant one. You? I, I had vintage crop in there as well for the fact that I didn't have a wager at that point in time. Um, I was five. Oh, right. Um, Makes but it hard. 
first international to win it made the race an international spectacle and opened the doors for the Raiders to come and uh, compete more regularly. He then came back a couple more years and I think placed the year or the year after. So mm. he was he came down to Melbourne a number of times. Saintly, the horse from heaven to do a Cox Plate, then into a Melbourne Cup. But you've got to include one of his because he will always remain the Cup's king. Um, Sub-Zero. So Subby, for the horse that he was, probably post-career more than yeah. anything. He was an amazing horse in that he could connect with people like a horse like I've never seen. Mm. Um, so to win the 92 Melbourne Cup, also a grey, and there's something special about a grey winning a cup, uh, and then to go on for his career as a clerk of the course and then, you know, visiting nursing homes and hospices and schools and spreading the love of the equine Kids athlete. loved him. Oh, absolutely. And he, and he loved them. a gentle giant as yeah. well. And then I included rekindling in 2017 for the fact that he was the youngest ever winner um, of the Melbourne Cup and a terrific ride by Corey Brown on that day as well. Yeah, it's funny. Some of them, I shouldn't even go into this. We should only talk about the positives really. But some of them were just deflating. Rekindling was one of those for me. By memory, it was really hot fence in run and most horses in the race didn't get their chance. Green Moon was the one that flattened me yeah, the most. Totally. I, I, it's funny. When the Melbourne Cup, when they hit the line, you always have a few people cheering. If the favourite wins, you get more. When Green, Green Moon hit the line, dead set at Flemington, it was this. Oh. oh. <laughs> And that's so unfair to all the connections. I'm so sorry. But that is honestly, that was the response. Oh, it's a race that everyone has such fond memories about and everyone will have a favourite. Um, and this is the time of year to really, really reflect on those and know that we will have another historic victory on Tuesday, possibly from an international, but maybe from an Australian trained horse as well. Should we get into it? We should. So this is runner by runner. Runner by runner, we'll take you through the field, give you the price and give our thoughts as um, former analysts. You're more of an expert probably. Well, I don't get to me. do this very often. Yeah, correct. I love doing the form, but you've got to play your role. We're, you know, we're a team. On, the, on this, we're a team. And when I'm on, you know, form line or something else, I leave it with Brad. He's a bit better suited. To oh, that come on, you'll do a great but this job. This is going to be good fun. So the 2023 edition of the Lexus Melbourne Cup over the 3,200 metres, the Group 1 two-mile event worth $9 million, 24 runners, and we'll start with Gold Trip for the Mara and Eustace team, who have five runners this year. Interestingly, new jockey on board, James McDonald gets the ride after Mark Zara has jumped ship. Of course, he's looking to back up his win last year with a running Melbourne Cup double. Yeah, I'm not going to lie that I don't like to worry too much about jockey engagements, but that one does play on my mind considerably. So can he win? Of course he can. Will he win? Well, we'll find out. I don't think so, just because history is against. He's drawn well. James McDonald, 58 and a half. That's one kilo more than last year. You could argue that he's going better than last year. When you have a look comparatively, it's probably a touch unfair, but fifth in the Turnbull last year, won the Turnbull this year. Second in the Caulfield Cup 2022, third this year, much the same. In the Cox Plate, ninth in 2022, a closing fifth this time out. So if he's not going... If he's not going better, he's going as well at the very least. The thing is, though, he's going to need to buck 48 years of history to do it. No horse has carried 58 and a half since Think, since think Big. That was in 75. And it, it's a huge factor that Mark Zara's ridden both and he said, nope, I want to be on without a fighter. Horse who travelled, I think, inferior up until the 400, but outstayed him last time out. And that 
that worries me. So I'm I'm against, but I'd love to see the champ go back to. Back. I think the other component of Mark's decision was that the track we are expecting on Tuesday is to be firm. Uh, they're not going to get any rain in Melbourne. And this is a horse who just needs a little bit of give in the ground. He does feel it in his feet. We'll move on to the two, Alan Kerr for Damien Oliver. So his final ride in the Melbourne Cup before he hangs up the boots after the Perth Summer Carnival. He's won three of them before. Mike Moroni trains this French former French galloper. Of course, he trained Bruder Success in the year 2000. Uh, he's got his quirks, this horse. He has. He's very highly credentialed overseas. We know that. The resume is fantastic. At Tattersall's Gold Cup at the Curra in May last year. He did that with 59 and a half and he beat State of Rest, the Cox Plate winner. Good horse. It takes a really good horse to do that. That said, it was at 21.12. We're talking 3,200. And we just haven't seen the same horse here in Australia yet. So if we go through the unsuitable Australian debut, I realise over 1,600. Last again, over the 2,000 in the Queen Elizabeth in the autumn. 11 of 15 and in Underwood. None of that is jumping off the page. But the run in the might and power was a little bit better. And I don't think it's the right form line. But... I just think the Mooney Valley Gold Cup, that was one of the better nights you would ever see. Strung up in behind, came from near last. I know it was 2,500 and we're up to 32, but drawn nine, 56 and a half. I wouldn't say he's hopeless at huge odds. And I actually think he could turn the tables on Van de Clare and Cleveland out of that race. Does he get the trip? Don't know. Mm. We'll find out. Big question mark. Without a fight is the third horse in the field, who is, of course, the Caulfield Cup winner uh, from this year. He ran 13th in the Melbourne Cup last year, has joined the Anthony and Sam Friedman stable uh, down on the Mornington Peninsula. And ever since they have received him, he has been flying. But the big thing is Mark Zara sticks. Absolutely. I don't say this lightly, but with even luck in running from a tough draw, I... I Failed to mount a decent case that any horse out of the Caulfield Cup could turn the tables on him. So Gold Trip's the main candidate. He's got a one kilo swing on without a fight, but without a fight was so strong late. The biggest thing against him, as I said, is the gate. Do they go forward from 16 looking to try to slot in or do they go back? I have a feeling if you have a look at last year's Melbourne Cup, he might have taken a little while to acclimatise, but the one regret they might have is that he settled that little bit too close. So I'm, I'm fearful from a gate that they would go and try and do it again. I mean, Gold Trip went past him like he was nailed to the fence in last year's Gold Cups, uh, last year's Melbourne Cup. So the Queensland winter clearly regenerated things and we've got a different horse on our hands now, but I think he's a main, main player. I just have last year's Melbourne Cup in the back of my mind wondering whether 32... He might pop again. Different horse. And yeah. last year's Melbourne Cup on soft ground, he can't handle anything with moisture in the ground. He gets a firm deck this year, which is the big tick for me. The four, which is uh, – and if you're into these kinds of little tidbits to pick a Melbourne Cup horse, the most winningst, winningest saddle cloth is number four in a Melbourne Cup. Breakup carries that saddle cloth this year. First Japanese runner in four years. Of course, they did it in 2006 with Delta Blues, and his last start was in the Caulfield Cup. It's funny, the saddlecloth number didn't work into my form when I was no, going through the replays. No, I didn't think it would. <laughs> but some but, people like those little okay. things. Yeah, know? I don't mind it. Hey, I've backed horses for less reason. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to mount a case for this guy. So the Japanese don't come all the way here for a haircut. They have hairdressers over there. They don't need to. You <laughs> might look at that Caulfield Cup run, and I'm sure plenty of punters have, and just said, no, nah, I'm going to strike a line through him. Fair enough. He's run eighth. He was beaten just short of six and only gets a kilo off without a fight. So there's not much there that says back me next time but I've watched it a few times trust me 
He travelled sweetly, loomed, popped at the 200. I reckon it might have been the fitness run that he needed. And let's not forget that he ran fourth in the Group 1 3200 10 show over there in Japan behind Justin Palace. That was with 58 kilos. He only has 55 on Tuesday. So with that in mind, if he runs up to that, he's absolutely a huge chance. And remember Delta Blues in 2006. Delta Blues ran 10th in a 10 show before coming out, placing in a Caulfield Cup and winning a Melbourne Cup. So it's not... Good form, the Tenno Show. It's the form for 3,200 or 3,000 plus races in the world. It's elite form. And having just seen Oban Buramai win the Golden Eagle over the course yeah. of the weekend, you do have that sneaky suspicion that this crop of Japanese horses were currently in Australia are absolutely flying. So we move on to Voban, who is our favourite for the Lexus Melbourne Cup at the moment with Tab, a $3.60 uh, elect. And he is first up. Um, of course, Ryan Moore to fly out from riding at the Breeders' Cup meeting in America. Successfully. Very successfully. Augusta Rodin, if you want to go and re-watch his uh, efforts there. He won the Melbourne Cup in 2014 on board Protectionist. Willie Mullins has two runners in this uh, year's race. And he says that Vauban is the most well-credentialed runner he's ever presented here in Australia. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Favourite and deservedly so. Anyone who saw his 2,800-metre win at Ascot will agree with that. You would have immediately fallen in love. That was back in June. Slight asterisk to that run. It was an absolute walkathon. Couldn't have got any bigger favour. And the margin, I think, flattered him. Very good horse, though. Back to the positives. Drawn perfectly in three. The best jockey in the world. That's not me saying that. James McDonald reckons there's daylight between Ryan Moore and the rest. Tick, tick. He carried 61 at Ascot, but gets in nicely with 55 here. Another tick. Record speaks for itself. Seven wins, four minus 14 starts. His race pattern takes luck out of the equation. So there is a lot to like. But, and this is a big, big but, if you're taking $3.30 about a European first up, it's 29 degrees in Melbourne on Saturday. You're asking a horse to, well, the cup's going to be run at the height of that temperature so it'll be high 20s you're asking a horse that's on speed potentially to lead throughout in a melbourne cup he's going to have to be a star to win three dollars thirty i just can't get in probably the best horse best credentialed but not at three thirty. people saying he can't be beaten but you think he can by conditions possible any horse can be beaten i tend to agree with you on that um the other fascinating part of voban's story is his owner in rick richie who of course, owned Max Dynamite to place a couple of times in the Melbourne Cup. Mm. And hearing from Rick during the week, he can't watch a race live. So he'll be at the back of Flemington, probably in the, the morning suit. He won't watch it. He'll only be listening to the call and okay. walking around and probably just talking to himself. So if you see a bloke at Flemington during the running of the race that stops the nation doing that, it could be the owner of the favourite. Shout out. Well, word of warning, actually, to trainers out there. There's a new habit, particularly in Sydney, of trainers watching the race back inside on the TV rather than standing out and watching it, maybe being harassed by owners or us for that matter. They take an eternity to walk up the race. An eternity. For those who do post-race interviews, can you please, for the love of God, lift the pace? I like watching them on TV as well because then you can actually dissect the run a bit. I struggle sometimes to watch it live on course. But but walk quickly. I I agree with you on that. There's a couple of culprits. I won't throw their hats into them. Neither will I. But you're right. (laughs) There are some familiar faces that do it. Moving on to the six, Sulcum. So this gelding by Frankel to be ridden by the magic man in Joe Marrera. Uh, Richmond players involved in the ownership of this horse include Jack Rewalt and Tom Lynch. Uh, Chris Waller trains. The big sticking point for him is how slow he 
is out of the gates. Yeah, that's the thing. Blink has come off. I can only imagine that's Chris trying to liven him up out of the barriers. I think they've had a few, you know, attempts at it. And he just seems to be getting worse. Stood there completely last time out. But the magic man, if anyone can do it, it's probably him. So let's hope at least he gets away cleanly. Carries the same weight as he did in the Caulfield Cup. 53 and a half. He only gets one kilo off without a fight and was beaten five and a half. On paper, you would say that he's probably up against it. What you don't see on paper is that he stood in the gates, missed it a conservative three lengths, got completely shut out between goal trip and the eventual winner without a fight at a crucial point in the straight. And then regathered himself close nicely. He's drawn perfectly in four if he jumps. And I'd never question Jao Marira. A few too many convictions for me, but not without a chance. The seven is absurd. So the stable mate of Vauban for Willie Mullins, Zach Purton flies in from Hong Kong. His best effort was actually on Max Dynamo running third in a Melbourne Cup a few years ago. The key to this guy is the good ground. Seven starts on the firm deck, three wins and four seconds. So he absolutely loves the conditions that he'll get on Tuesday. Yeah, he had admire Rakti, didn't he, Zach? I think he won a Caulfield Cup with admire Rakti. And then, unfortunately, that horse... Passed away, I think, on Melbourne Cup Day or at least soon after. So uh, things hadn't gone to plan there, but I reckon he's a chance with this international. So based on what we saw overseas, you would say that Vauban is better than him. They met over 2,800 at Ascot. I touched on that race before. He officially ran second, but there was seven and a half lengths between first and second. So really it was daylight second. Absurd does get a two kilo swing and gets an extra 400 metres to run him down. The run in between should give you confidence too. So he won the Ebor at York in late August. So less of a break since the last run. And the Ebor's a terrific race. Three deep the trip with 60 and a half from gate 22. That is an impossibility. And yet he still managed to overcome it. We know he's ticking over well. Nice drawing barrier eights take cover and blend into the race at the right time. Zach Purton in the saddle won't hurt his chances. He's eight times the price of the stable made in Vauban. And I simply cannot justify that. So... The difference between them as well in terms of the weather, because I potted Vauban in terms of the weather, one's up on speed and going to be having to do all of the bullocking work, dragging the entire field into it. The other one is going to be probably midfield and blending into the race. And we don't know how well they acclimatise. So while one I'm putting it against, the other I'm saying may well handle it that bit the better. Right You Are is one of only two Aussie-bred stayers in the field by So You Think. Johnny Allen, the Irishman, to get the ride here for the Mara and Eustace team. And he booked his ticket into the race uh, all the way back in April of this year, winning the Mornington Cup. Yeah, Mornington Cup form. Mm. Is it the form? Uh, we were just talking about an e-ball winner. Not sure about that. But big jump to win a Melbourne Cup of prep later. His lead-up runs have been good. 2.2 off them in the Underwood, and then he was beaten 7.8 by Gold Trip in the Turnbull. It doesn't read overly well, but in the Caulfield Cup, he carried 53, settled six, travelled beautifully. Unfortunately, the leading four just fell in a complete hole, and that left him stranded so far from home. He gave a pretty good kick, was nabbed at about the 200 or so. It didn't look that good. But he does meet without a fight a kilo better at the weights. Biggest concern is that he's never gone beyond 2,400 before. And barrier 15, they might not get the economical run they did last time out. But Johnny Allen, geez, when he hops on derby horses or cup horses, anything over a staying trip, he gets the best He's got a knack for it. So the nine is Vow and Declare. And, yes, he did win a Melbourne Cup all the way back in 2019. No horse has won the Melbourne Cup four years apart again. And only three eight-year-olds have won uh, the Melbourne Cup in modern times. Billy Egan gets his opportunity with his rolled-up sleeves for Danny O'Brien. Recent Melbourne Cups would suggest he's a bit off them. But 
I genuinely believe he's going as well as he's going 2019. This yeah. is as well as he's gone since then, at the very least. So had a, had a fantastic preparation so far. Tenth in the Underwood, ran a ripper second up in the Caulfield Stakes at 2,000 metres. Sceptical of the Mooney Valley Gold Cup form, in all truth. But he was wide and tough and less than a length off Cleveland. And meets that horse half a kilo better off. He won a Sandown Classic last year. But, yeah, undoubtedly the best he's gone since he won. Nope. Not for mine, as Gary Harley would say. <laughs> the 10 is Cleveland. Uh, and he's been, well, he's been an interesting horse since he arrived in Australia. He was meant to compete in the Melbourne Cup last year and didn't. Uh, then he competed in the Autumn Carnival where we thought he would sweep the pool and get everything done, but he didn't. His first Australian victory came in the Mooney Valley Cup only a couple of weeks ago. James McDonald in the saddle that day. On Tuesday, Mickey D gets his opportunities, but most interestingly uh, owned by uh, the Williams team who have won seven Melbourne Cups before. Yeah, impressive winner of the Mooney Valley Gold Cup, which I've touched on a few times already, but I think he had his birthday and I don't think he'll have a second birthday in the Melbourne Cup. Form prior was okay without being great in Sydney, as you touched on. Comfortably beaten in the Newcastle Cup and a Metrop, good in the St. Ledger, behind Land Legend. But from barrier 23, where's he going to get to? Last start, James McDonald gave him absolutely every chance from midfield. Nice drag into the race, put them away. I know in the lead-up to the Sydney Cup, there was a lot of hype. Huge Jumped hype. a $4 favourite, I yes. think, in the Sydney Cup and bled. So from an SP profile point of view, probably not hopeless, but I don't think he's good enough. He's the kind of it's, horse that, down to that jockey can put him to sleep, though, in the run. Like, you see his head carriage, and he's got his head on his chest just cruising, snoozing through oh, runs. It's just unbelievable. Stares at the floor. Yeah. I know. So that's something in his favour, getting over the 32, I guess, is the ability to turn off and switch off during the run. Uh, the 11 is Ash Run. Fascinating runner for the Mara and Eustace team. So the last time he won was 1,101 days ago. Mm-hmm because he had a big injury and he was on the sidelines for nearly three years. So that was back in 2020. He does get the services of Kieran McAvoy, who has won the cup three times before. Yeah, so ran a huge race behind Twilight Payment in 2020 and he'd run well in the Geelong Cup in the lead up to that, won the Hotham. In the cup, he drew 23 and had to go back to last. So things just didn't really go to plan. was a hopeless position. Easily the best from the back and was matching motors with very elegant late in that. It's amazing, you know, what's happened since. You watch the two runs and you would almost say, which one's gone on to become a superstar? You almost would have said Ash Run mm. would be the better. But anyway. That's a long while ago. Unfortunately, from that point, he did have three years off, as you mentioned. Resumed over 1,700 at Flemington. Closed well. Got well back from a wide gate in the Bark Cummings. Final run was a narrow second in the Geelong Cup. A race which... I think it's fair to say he had every chance. But the blanket finish worries me there. Uh, barrier 11, Karen McAvoy knows what he's doing. Absolutely think does. he's won one or two of these before. Help me with the next horse's name and I can never get it right. Uh, Dashin. So ignore the cue. Dashin Sweet Junior. And if you see the cue, that's the horse we're talking about. So yeah. he is a true stayer. Uh, he gets over the trip having won the Adelaide Cup uh, in March of 2022. Philip Stokes trains. Daniel Stackhouse gets an opportunity from gate 12. Not hopeless at triple figures. Maybe I'm going mad. Fantastic run in the race last year. Jumped okay. They went straight across the rail, lost all position. Turning for home, saved ground, made a good run. Outstayed a few horses that are at a shorter price than him on Tuesday. Tuesday this year. 
He went past without a fight, again, like he was nailed to the fence in that edition. And Vow and Declare couldn't match motors with him late. So this horse can stay. That was his first go at 3,200. It was a beauty. Six, beaten 7.2, but without much luck this year. He's built really nicely. So a run at 16, run at 17, closed nicely in the naturalism at 2,000. Fourth in the Herbert Power at 2,400 last start. They got spat wide on the turn there and didn't jump off the page, but the last 100 was his best 100. He's 100 to 1, but... I'll have something on. The like win I, or just in, your, in a little... One of those uh, sort of, you know, four. 20 the win, 30 the place type Ooh, okay. Jeez. I don't disagree with you. Okita Sushi is the 13. Dylan Gibbons, the star Sydney apprentice, gets his first opportunity to ride in this great race. Joseph O'Brien, he's already won this event two times before he turned 30. So he knows how to train a Melbourne Cup winner, doesn't he? Makes you feel like a gross underachiever, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And he's such a lovely guy as well, yeah. A lot to hate. Hey, another European. So I've touched on the Europeans who I think are live chances. Now we'll touch on one who I don't think is much of a chance. So first start in the country was the Caulfield uh, Cup. He barely gave a yelp there, beaten 10 by without a fight. He may have run third in an Irish St. Ledger over 2,816, but he doesn't have the overseas resume of an absurd or a Vauban for that matter. It was a mile back in the Caulfield Cup with that pattern, gate 20, no weight relief. It's exceptionally hard to see him turning the tables on without a fight and gold trip or the likes of Sulcum or Breakup for that matter. Can't rule out the Europeans, but absolutely, in my opinion, impossible to find off exposed form. The 14 is Shiraz, and there has been a lot of conjecture over the last couple of days as to whether this gelding by Sea the Stars was fit for this event and whether there might be a, a vet inspection in the next couple of days for Chris Waller and Bo Mertens gets an opportunity to ride in this race. And a year that's been tinged with sadness, but also greatness winning his first group one in 2023. Absolutely. Another at triple figures drawn 22 of 24, well beaten all four runs this preparation, 13 of 14 in the Heatherly, four lengths off Uncle Bryn in the Naturalism, 12 of 16 beaten 5.2 by future history in the Bart Cummings. And then a couple of lengths off Cleveland in the Mooney Valley Gold Cup. I've already said I doubt that that is the form line leading in. Plus, he had the back of the winner turning for home and all he did was lose ground in the straight. Level weights and I think others out of the race are more attractive and that's in a race I don't find attractive. Lastochka. So she is the mayor, the French mayor, who's just arrived on Australian shores in the last couple of weeks for the Price and Kent Junior Yard to be ridden by Craig Williams, who, of course, won on board Vow and Declare in 2019. And she's a last start Group 3 winner in France over the 3,100. Yeah, so French mayor brings real X factors to the race, which is fantastic. A Group 3 winner at 3,100 at Longchamp at the start of September. So that gives you a sense of her promise, a bit of an up-and-comer. In the money, 7 of 12. She's a dead-set swimmer. If we were on softer heavy, I'd be like, yeah. In fact, I wanted to tip her on top. But the draw isn't much of a plus. 29 degrees on the day. Where does that leave us? As much as it's become the new norm, I still have my convictions about Europeans first up into the race as well, especially when they draw barrier 21. There's a bit against, but in that... Uh, her most recent run was pretty good. She sat second, um, was positive there. So maybe she can push forward Craig Williams, maybe a vow and declare type ride on her. Mm. I wanted to tip her on top, but I couldn't find her given we're on top of the ground. The firm ground. We'll move on to Magical Lagoon, who is an Oaks winner in Ireland and purchased by Yulong. So they get an opportunity to have a Melbourne Cup runner for Chris Waller again. Mark Duplessis down from Queensland to ride this mare by Galileo. So she's extremely well-bred and... 
Got those uh, breeding credentials on her side. She has. Led them up in the Geelong Cup and only got nabbed late. That was probably her best run in the country. In fact, undoubtedly her best run in the country. She'll be up on speed from Barrier 7, making her own luck once again. She drops four and a half kilos on that run, so meets Ash Run five kilos worse. Maybe 3,200 will see her go to another level, but off what we've seen this prep, it's very difficult to mount a case. The question is, from a map side of things, so can she sit outside Vauban and win? No. Can she lead all the way if she crossed Vauban? No. Does she have the turn of foot to sit a pair or two back and get over the top of a horse like Vauban? No. Gosh, you're brutal, but I love it. We've so, got to find the... I've been kind to a few others. The cream that rises to the top. Military Mission, this is a horse I do give a sneaky opportunity to, Rachel King. So three female jockeys riding in the Melbourne Cup this year. Rachel King... Uh, joins up with the stable that she uh, so regularly rides for in the Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Botyard and a last start winner in the Herbert Power. Yeah, so that win over the 2,400 was fantastic. Uh, Dash and Sweet Junior comes out of the same race. This guy dropped six kilos on that run, so half kilos worse off for a two-length margin to that aforementioned horse. Rachel King gets a ride in the cup, and from Barrier 5, they look to get a lovely run. Last start, settled sixth, got a beautiful run in transit, peeled four deep at the turn, sustained the run for a, a comfortable victory. My inkling is the 3,200 might find military mission out, and out of that race, I do think... Dash and Sweet Junior is the horse. Rough place claims, though. The 18 Serpentine, who was 20th in the Melbourne Cup last year. Jai McNeil to ride from the inside gate, carrying 51 kilos. Of course, he won on board Twilight Payment. The fascinating thing about him is that he's the Epsom Derby winner from a few years ago, but now gilded, which created shock and awe yeah, in did. Europe during that time. You know how I said I wanted to find the Japanese horse and I wanted to find the French mare? I did not want to find Serpentine. But on weights, he kind of mounts a case. <laughs> it's so annoying. So stable mate of the aforementioned military mission. This guy comes out of the Bark Cummings. He ran 20 of 22 in last year's Melbourne Cup, which doesn't give you much confidence. Was essentially eased out of it, though. He had some time off, went up to Queensland in late autumn. Ama amazing how many of these stayers do that, and it just revitalises mm. them a touch. Ran second in the 2400 Group 3 Premier's Cup before being well beaten in the Q22. Kicked off this prep over 2400 in Sydney. Then the 2,500 at Flemington and last start third in the Bart Cummings. Fourth, every chance. You're going to look at that and say he just doesn't have the turn of foot to put away a good race. But, big but, drops seven kilos on that run. That's a two-kilo swing on Ash Run for beating him home three-quarters of a length. So if you like Ash Run, you have to back Serpentine. Waited to be in this as much as I hate to say it. Barrier one, they get the run of the race. They might be fifth fence. And if it's a grind... I hate it. If Serpentine wins, I'll kick myself. But anyway, I think he's a chance. Can you imagine how much they paid for him when he was still an entire and then he came over here and they're like, no, nah, we've got to... I've got to sort this out. Well, he might win a Melbourne Cup. Yeah, Better make up for it. Might make it all worth mm. it. Virtuous Circle, the end time Al, by Almanzor, I should say. So he ran second in the Australia Derby during the autumn carnival. And Liam Howley trains, who had a lot to do with rekindling. So he's got mm. some form on the board when it comes to Melbourne Cup winners. Definitely. We'll more than likely go around at triple figures on Tuesday, I would imagine. Not bad for a horse who very almost won an ATC Derby. He got within a length of Major Bill that day, but we haven't 
haven't seen him near the winner since, truth be told. Second last in the Fen, 4.3 off them in the Naturalism. Unlucky but well beaten in the Bark Cummings and then horrible in the Geelong Cup. He drops four kilos on that run, 4.6 off Ahmad, though a never threatening, doesn't read particularly well ahead of a Melbourne Cup. Not for me. If you're somehow a fan, though, Barrier 6, they probably map to get a nice run. And I know that James McDonald's mum is going to be screaming late if Virtuous Circle is close to them. Die is part of the ownership group there. So more felons. Uh, also, the artist formerly known as scriptwriter yes. uh, in Europe. Jamie Carr, who, as we mentioned, had the double on Saturday. Chris Waller, second Australian start in the Melbourne Cup. Another to come out of the Geelong Cup, which has long been a good form reference. Settled fourth last, looped the field, six and seven wide on the turn and ran on strongly to just miss. Drops four and a half kilos on that run, so meets Ash Run half a kilo worse. That said, he did a stack more in the run than Ash Run. Proven to be competitive at Group 3 level overseas. It's hard to see him marching, uh, matching it with a you know, legitimate Group 1 staying horse, and we have plenty of it in this race. Gate 24 forces them back to the tail. They're going to need a hot speed and a few miracles to run into the money, I would have thought. The final female jockey to take to the field on Tuesday will be Holly Doyle, who's just spent the weekend in America watching her husband Tom Marquand uh, win a really nice race uh, at Mm. the Breeders' Cup meeting uh, over in Santa Anita. She rides future history. The... Fourth runner for Mara and Eustace. Gosh, they've got a hand, don't they? So uh, jumping from gate 13 and was third in the Mooney Valley Cup. Yeah, having a fantastic preparation. Led all the way in the Bark Cummings, but meets them worse at the weights here. Despite dropping four kilos on that run, he still meets Serpentine three kilos worse off. He's run third in the Mooney Valley Gold Cup subsequent to that, as you mentioned, less than a length off Cleveland. He does meet that runner two and a half kilos better on Tuesday and undoubtedly had the tougher run. He's going to go forward, sit outside the speed, can he cross Magical Lagoon and Vauban and dictate? Unlikely. Can he sit outside Vauban, similar to Magical Lagoon? Also unlikely. Could be one for the first fours, and I love having Holly Doyle in the country. Absolutely. She's going to add a bit of X factor to the day. Interpretation. I think the story here would be for Tio Nugent, who had that awful fall on All-Star Mile Day this year and has only recently returned to race riding. He is the Bendigo Cup winner. Yeah, so drawn poorly and most likely going around at triple figures again. Well beaten behind future history in the Bark Cummings. Drops five kilos on that run, but is that enough to turn the tables? Doubtful, especially given he was one and a half off Serpentine in that and has to give him two kilos on Tuesday. You're starting to get a feel for how well-weighted Serpentine is when we reference these. The run since then in the Bendigo Cup was a pass mark. He had a great run, just got there. The Melbourne Cup, though, was a big jump from a Group 3 Bendigo Cup. Over 2,400, especially when you're drawn 17. Not for mine. Calipore made his way into the field on Saturday after winning the uh, the Archer over the 2,500 metres. Zach Lloyd, so he had his first ride in a Cox Plate last weekend, gets his first ride in a Melbourne Cup on Tuesday. Chris Lees, great to see him with two runners. So he saddles up uh, Cleveland, of course, and Calipore as well. Can he do it on the quick backup? Yes, and a part of our team is a part of this horse too. That is true. Dan Huddy, who is part of the production team of So We Think, gets a Melbourne Cup runner himself. So what a thrill for him to be there on Tuesday and to go along and cheer on his own horse. How exciting. And I will be cheering you on, but I'm not about to give you the greatest of pushes. On the on the quick backup, after success on Saturday, led all the way against Athabaskan and co. Not to take anything away from the victory, but it was 
very leadery there on Derby Day. So they got every favour. He's run in the Metrop and the St. Ledger, both very good in the St. Ledger. He was only 0.3 off Cleveland, meets that runner four kilos better. One is $26 from gate 23, and the other is $61 from gate 14. So if you're talking about back in Cleveland, stop it. And back the other one is my thought. Uh, Colourpore, certainly better position to run well here. Both have won since. No reason to think Colourpore won't run a strong 3,200. Yeah, I think he'll be a bit outclassed. But at 61 bucks, I'd much rather back him than Cleveland. And rounding out the field is True Marvel for Matt Smith, who trains out of Warwick Farm. Ben Thompson comes down from Queensland. Of course, he is... Uh A new dad. He's got baby Harry with wife Steph. They've recently had a little baby boy, I think only a couple of weeks ago. So that'll fuel the fire a bit. Certainly will. Comes out of the Mooney Valley Cup behind Cleveland. Was beaten three and a half on that occasion, running on from last needs. Every bit of the 3,200. Don't forget, he went around at 150 to one in the Sydney Cup and almost won. It was only nabbed late by Explosive Jack on that occasion. It was a real story of the day, actually. Then in the Brisbane Cup, ran another ripper behind Salino and, and Warning there. So will undoubtedly be the peak run of the prep, but I don't think his peak is good enough to win a Melbourne Cup. Drawn 10, Ben Thompson, 50 kilos. He's positioned to do his best but he's not good enough. I hope all that analysis has helped you find a winner for the 2023 Lexus Melbourne Cup bumper field, 24 horses, hot conditions over the two miles. You did an excellent job there. You put a lot of work into that. Uh, what's your on top of? I'm with without a fight. Okay. I think he could become the 12th horse in history to win the Caulfield Melbourne Cup double. And I just love the preparation. He's absolutely flying. He gets conditions to suit. And if jockey sticks, like that's telling me everything I need to know, right? Okay. I'm not concerned about the gate because I think he'll settle midfield and he's got that explosiveness at the end. We know he gets the trip. Just remembering last year, those conditions were not there to suit. He doesn't like any give in the ground whatsoever. Um, I actually wanted to have a little sneaky on Las Tochka. Yep. You have scared me off a little bit with diving into the fact that she doesn't like the firm ground, but there's a couple of other roughies there that I'm definitely going to have in the first four. And whilst we're also tipping, you can find some of these uh, on the Bets Friends part of the tab app as well. Of course, you can go there and find out all the expert tips from our uh, key analysts. Mm. I know a star in the big dance on Tuesday. Two big races, of course. We've got the two-mile event Mm. at Flemington. But in the big dance, $3 million at Royal Randwick. I know a star for Bjorn Baker. Yeah, I've gone Superium in that one at an each-way price at around the $15 mark. But as for the Melbourne Cup... I I know that that was lengthy, that analysis. It was but, terrific. But I'm sure everyone has a different horse they want to hear from. So you can just skip ahead, push back, <laughs> do whatever you want and find it. But I'm going to go with Absurd. I know it's the stable mate of the favourite, but as I said, eight times the price, $21 for a horse that's pretty well credentialed. And if we don't see the best of Vauban, I think Absurd is a, a live chance. So I had Absurd from Without a Fight, your pick. I think Breakup is an each-way chance at $19 as well. Vauban fourth, Serpentine fifth, Gold Trip sixth. I could go down, uh, but there's not much point. If you want to have a bet and a real speculator at $71, Serpentine, as I said, is weighted to run well. And I made cases for Alan Kerr and Dash and Sweet Jr. at triple figures. So I think I've mentioned eight of the 24 there, but I'm cheering on absurd. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to box them all up. Yeah, well, that's the thing. First four. Well, I was see going, how I go. I was going to just put four horses down, and I thought everybody does. You know, first fours that include ten horses. So I'll, I'll go a little bit further. I like it a lot. Well done to you. Where will you, you be uh, to watch the race that stops the nation? Not where you are. Okay.
I'll be at the Big Dance. Where would you rather be? Yeah, and it will be really good fun out there. Yeah. That's one of the beauties of it. Back in the day, Derby Day, Cup Day, uh, Oaks Day, Stakes Day, Melbourne just owned it. Whereas now you can enjoy the races in Sydney with quality racing and watch it on the screen as well. I'm going to make my way down to Adelaide from Wednesday and have a five-day boys trip. Oh, just dear. sitting at the pub oh, and wow. punting until my heart is content. Okay. Good luck to everybody in Adelaide over the course of next weekend. Good luck to all the punters at home as well for the first Tuesday in November. It's one great day of racing, isn't it, across number of states. I think most uh, courses across the country have some kind of festivity going on, yeah. whether it be a race meeting or just, you know, a nice lunch to Picnics, go on. Picnics, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Enjoy it. Get on the Tab app. Take a look at all the expert picks on Bet's Friends and we'll be back again very shortly with another edition of So We Think. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, call the number on the screen or visit the website.